On this week's episode, we get married to the Princess Bride. Is everyone in this movie gross? Are we served up too much Billy Crystal ham? And does anybody want a peanut? Find out now you're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. wide hello everybody and welcome to 24 flames per second it's the podcast that roasts the films we love the most and everybody as always i'm your host robert bohorkas everybody welcome to as i mentioned if you couldn't tell 24 flames per second um and uh this week to round out 2020 we thought we would uh inject a little magic and happiness into um into our, our schedule this week we are talking the princess wide uh and yeah everybody welcome to uh this is coming out on new year's the day the new year's eve eve um and so yeah everybody we're super excited to get out of this fucking nightmare year uh, and we're looking forward to the second half of our season uh fourth season is coming after the new year and so yeah everybody's so glad you joined us today um and i think uh we're just gonna we're not gonna beat around the bush we got a head-to-head this week um it's a real uh wesley versus uh Inigo Montoya. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um but yeah, everybody welcome to the uh welcome to the show. Um and so I'm gonna start with uh co host with the Mo host. Um he's uh across the city from me, the Rugen to my Humperdink, Quasi Phillips. How's it going, man? Hello, how's it how are you doing? We're about to do the Mo host. I'm ready. Yeah. Um well yeah. Did you watch the movie this week? I did. I did. Mm. It's been a long time, but uh, it was nice to see that it was on Disney Plus ready to go. So Yeah. I it am, was like I it was, was a recent addition. I remember people talking about it in like October or something. Yeah. They were like, Oh, it's on Disney Plus. Um Yeah, they're they're snatching up classics. It's good. They're just that's kind of their whole business model. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah. but yeah, what do you we know about it? What do you know about Princess Bread? It was nice to to go back, and I think that for me, I wanted to. I mean, doing any movie uh, for this podcast, you have to do a little bit of learning anyway, just to kind of get yourself ready. And I did not realize there was a whole It Man fighting storyline behind this movie. Oh, that was crazy! So they trained for a long time to get that fight scene between Inigo and Wesley, yeah. and the director even added two extra minutes of fighting to make it more dynamic, right? Rob Reiner thought it was kind of slow, so they added the steps, they added the switching of the hands. And this was all choreographed by one guy. Wow. Um, and this guy, Bob Anderson, who is who also choreographed fighting in Star Wars, was trained by this guy named Akos Modovani. And mm. this guy was a freaking boss. He was, the, he was part of the Hungarian army, and he participated in the last saber duel in Europe. So literally oh in the 1950s, when Elvis is on stage at the Ed Sullivan <laughs> Show, homeboys in Hungary are fighting like legitimate duels for honor. <laughs> and this man who trained the guy who, for, um, who, who, uh, who then trained the actors won the last saber duel oh in Europe. 
And I couldn't believe also the year. 1956? <laughs> Still doing duels, huh? They're doing duels? And it wasn't even the last it wasn't even the last the last sword duel was caught on film in the sixties between two old dudes <laughs> in France. Like what is going on in Europe? It blew my mind. I didn't realize that there was these levels of fighting that was going on behind the scenes. But I'm glad they brought a real professional to come help out for this movie yeah. because that fight scene is fantastic anyway that's wow that's crazy i was i was thinking about that while i was watching i was like there's like some fancy sword play going on here yeah and it turns out it's hungarian championship <laughs> sword play the best sword the best saber fighter in in europe at the time yeah oh my god got called up for a duel <laughs> that's crazy incredible that's crazy um i'll tell you what was going on in europe and it was uh interpersonal disputes that's right that's right <laughs> there's only there's... can't solve it by talking that's right it's very uh, old world over there you yeah. know <laughs> they keep they keep the old they keep the tradition in the old country we in the old country we solve fights with swords um <laughs> but it also kind of shows it also fed into the honor scenes in the movie a little bit that each fighter had their own honor and i think that that's what's called for in a duel you know, yeah. they had the he had he had um, the fighter. He had um, Akos had a book of etiquette of dueling etiquette that he handed to someone uh, later in life before he passed away, so that the the <laughs> the ideals of dueling could then live on. Oh my god, <laughs> that's amazing! It wasn't Mandy it's, Potemkin, it's was it? <laughs> no, it was uh, it was uh, a, a doctor in Europe. Boo! But... Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the legacy does live on he gave some nerd his cool fighting book um well that is incredibly that's very amazing and i had no idea um so thank you thank you for bringing that um well i think uh we're talking about dueling let's get on to our duel that we're gonna have here today um introduce our our sides of the the panel um and up first we got our roaster uh, co-producer of Seattle's The Moth and a storyteller herself. You can find her on on Twitter at Casey Rom. Casey Rom. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's good. I was just uh, thinking about that episode of Community where they say that Mandy Patakin's name like draws old women <laughs> from all corners of the universe. <laughs> and the first time I saw it, I didn't really know who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it makes a lot more sense as a joke. <laughs> did did they did they say that it was it was Inigo more than Wesley that drew women? Just the like name Mandy Patankin, like oh. him as a person. I think more from his. He was in like The Good Wife or one of those kind of mom shows in <sighs> later life. Was it Homeland? Homeland. Homeland. Yeah. Homeland. Homeland. Thank you. Thank you. I don't. I don't watch either of them. So. <laughs> Boy, that that beard pulls him in. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, anyways, it's very good to have you here. Thanks for coming and roasting. And defending the Princess Bride this week, director of photography and tracer, uh, soon to be aerialist, or is already an aerialist? Already. Soon to be yeah, home aerialist. Yes. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, on social media at Grayson Arts. Russell, hey. How's it going? Hello. How are you? I am doing good. I. Uh... You know, when Casey mentioned the uh, community episode, I was like, 
there was an episode where they dueled also, and that's the <laughs> one that I went to. Uh, it was the dueling one. Um, and, you know, when I think of Mandy Patinkin, um, other than Anigo, um, I think of Dead Like Me. Because um, hmm. he was the uh, head um, reaper in that. Wow, I fully forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that show. It's It's, it's a good one. It's, it, I think it's underrated. I don't think a lot of people um, appreciate it um, for the genius that it was. So. Well, um, speaking of appreciating things, whether they're genius or not, um, we've got first things first, moving a minute for you, Russell. Yes. 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 Um, and so, yeah, give us the, uh, the full plot synopsis of The Princess Bride, spoilers and all, and we'll give you, uh, you can be our, our Columbo grandpa. And we'll give you a sixty seconds and a three count. All right. And Cabbage will also be listening and judging you. Um, judging me, definitely. Okay. Judging hard. Anyways, um, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. In three, two, one, go. Okay, so Wesley and Buttercup are in love. Wesley goes off to do something. I forget exactly what. Um, and uh, he dies. And Buttercup gets engaged to Humperdinck. Humperdinck is an evil asshole and uh, is actually going to marry her and then have her kidnapped and taken um, uh, and killed so that he can blame Gilder so that he can uh, justify his war against them. Um, Wesley comes back. He actually foils the plot by um, uh, fighting the three bandits that were hired to kidnap her. Um, so first he has a dexterity te test against Inigo uh, uh, Montaya. Then he has a strength test against um, uh, the giant, uh, whose name I'm totally blanking on. Um, and then he has an intelligence test against Bassini, uh, the quote unquote mastermind of the, of the, um, of the plot. Um, they all fail. Um, and so then Wesley rescues, um, Buttercup. They make it through the fire swamp, um, only to be, um, uh, basically she takes a, um, so let's see. We that was like, an hour into the movie, so they get, uh, it's, uh, it's a very uh, it's a very eventful hour. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so there's the fire swamp. They come out of the fire swamp and they're captured by Humperdinck. Um, mm -hmm. And Wesley goes gets put in the pit of despair, which is this torture room. Um, we learn that, uh, or I mean, we knew, but Inigo Montoya is revived and he's back at this thieves camp, and um, Andre the Giant, Fezzik. Um, comes and is like, hey, we got to do some stuff. Um, and so, yeah, they are going to um, go rescue. Rescue. Like, <laughs> you got to um, let that voice go. You got to <laughs> let it go. We'll get there, Robert. We'll get there. They're going to go rescue <laughs> Wesley um, <laughs> on the day. Or, yeah, they rescue him from the pit of despair um, and get him all revived up from, I forget what the machine was called, but it's not, it sucks on, sucks your body life out. Um, and they get Billy Crystal, um, and, uh, and Carol, uh, what's her last Kane. name? Kane. Carol Kane. Carol Kane. And Carol Kane are reviving their little, their gnomes or something. Um, and then they're going to go crash the wedding between Buttercup and Humperdinck. Um, also we learn Rugen. Who's Christopher Guest is the six hand six fingered man six handed man Jesus, um, Inigo Montoya is is got a vendetta again so he's gonna go duel him and kill him, um, and let's see, and then Wesley's getting his body back and uh, he has a little fight with Humperdinck and wins, 
Uh, and then Wesley reunites with Buttercup. And they're going to be live happily ever after. And Fred Savage finally goes to bed and starts <laughs> feeling better from being sick. So, oh, I you left, know. Fred, I yeah, Fred Savage is in this movie. Um, the, the entire narrative structure there, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The framing device. Um, that's what I meant. But, uh, but yeah, that is, uh, that's Princess Bride, more or less. Um, and so, yeah, not bad. Um, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we come back, we'll get into the rest of the show. We'll get our opening statements. And, Russell, why you're here defending the Princess Bride. Everybody, we will be right back. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the Princess Bride. Uh, and right before the break, we uh, oh, got got taken down in the fire swamp, Russell. Um, I'm moving in a minute. And uh, but but we'll let bygones be bygones. Um, let's get your opening statements. Why are you here defending the Princess Bride? Sure. Um, I mean, the Princess Bride is a classic classic tale of. Um, you know, love and uh, the strength and power that love has. Um, and I think that it is a, I mean, it is a fairy tale, right? And, you know, obviously it's framed as a, fra- uh, a, um, a fairy tale that um, Peter Falk is telling to Fred Savage. Um, and like, it's just, it's so wholesome um, and so like, feel good kind of fairy tale and i mean i just i think that it is the kind of movie that we need to be able to go back to um when you're sick or you're having a bad day and you just want to believe that there's good in the world and believe that there is um a happily ever after and i think that it captures it so well um that feeling and and that um that desire okay Okay, feel good movie. Um, well, then, Casey, I'm going to give you kind of your choice. We start with the, I know you had thoughts about the plot, um, but you also had thoughts about kind of the tone and the direction of the movie. Um, so whichever yeah. you would like to run with, feel free. Um, well, given the, the wholesome comment, I think I'll start with the tone because I think that it's actually not that wholesome to me. There's a lot of problems with the central storyline, like, the the fact that she thinks he's dead and when they're reunited he doesn't seem like all that excited to see her and he's kind of like shitty to her and makes crappy comments and makes her feel bad for loving him it's that whole scene just really put me in a bad mood because i i pretty much figured out it was him from you know the get-go um and i i don't think that it's all that wholesome i think it's kind of like gross in a lot of ways the way that they characterize some of the the villains and the side characters i mean one of them is literally just called the albino like that's the only thing that he has going on i guess and i i don't know i i didn't grow up with this movie and i know a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about it and like nostalgia and love for it and none of that is inborn in me and so the first time I saw it was only a couple of years ago and it had so much hype and I just, I don't really get it. I don't understand what is so great about this movie. 
Um, okay. Well, no, I mean, that was just, there was a lot. I need to kind of un- unpack everything. Um, as I kind of expect, you know, come to expect from, from everyone's Casey. childhood sucks. Russell, your thoughts. Um, I grew up in a different time. No, um, <laughs> play the age card here. Um, no, I, so, I mean, I think that like, if you, if you think about this, right, it, it, one of the things that I think is, is a little, um, ambiguous, um, is the amount of time that actually passed between when Wesley went off to make their fortune or, you know, I actually don't even remember what he, why he left Buttercup, um, specifically, I think it was to make enough money to actually marry her. Um, and, um, you know, the amount of time from when that happened and when she got engaged to Humperdinck. Um, and so like, I mean, if your true love, if you went away for a month or two or whatever, um, and you came back to find that your true love was getting married to somebody else, wouldn't you, I mean, anger is, I think, a natural part of that, right? And I think that, I, I think that what you're seeing is him going through sort of a grieving process, right? Um, to have discovered this. Um, and the first time that he interacts with her, he's angry. And, um, and that's part of that grieving process of what they used to have versus what the reality is now. Um, and so, um, I think that the reason that I think that, uh, that, uh, that in particular is, is, I don't want to say justified cause you know, like, um, I, being a jackass is really kind of never actually justified, but like understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, for, for that piece, like I, I think that it, it's an honest reaction right? Um, to the situation at hand. Um, and I'm trying to remember some of the other points you made. Um, um, well, okay. So I, I will, I will give you the, a lot of the side characters, I think were there for specific actors to play a part. Um, so I think the albino, um, like I recognize that actor. I don't actually remember his name. Um, but like, I think that they gave him that part so that he would be in the movie. Um, and they created that character so that he would be in that movie. Um, does it age well? No. Um, I think also like the, uh, the played for, um, comedic effect of the person with the speech impediment, um, also doesn't age well. Um, but if we look at the context with when this movie was made, those are kind of tropes of cinema back then, um, of, of, you know, using specific things as, as, uh, for comedic effect. And the fact that he was an albino, albino actually didn't really play into the character very much. Um, and definitely the, the Cardinal, um, or Bishop or whatever he was supposed to be, um, definitely was played only for comedic effect. Um, and maybe to make it take longer so that they could justify the amount of time that it took to actually invade the castle. Yeah. I, I can kind of understand even Wesley's behavior at the beginning, but I think that it just continues on this kind of bad path as it goes along. And 
the fact that she decides that she's going to commit suicide because she thinks he's dead for the second time and that that's kind of like played for laughs at the end and he makes a comment about her breasts and that's like one of the most quotable moments of the movie and it's just kind of it's just kind of icky i don't know i i can't i have a hard time articulating what it is about the way that they interact with each other but i don't really believe their love story maybe we just didn't spend enough time with them together at the beginning but it just it it seems like you know he was kind of shitty to her she was kind of shitty to him like why did he let her go on believing he was dead for so long once he learned the true nature of the dread pirate and like like why did he let her believe for so long that he was kidnapping her instead of saving her and it just it feels like there's like a real power balance there and as much as it wants you to believe that she's kind of this strong cool character it really is just like another damsel in distress who needs to be saved by a man who literally can't move his body hmm. and that's somehow more effective than her all she can do is kill herself it's just like ugh, gross i mean I can I can definitely understand that critique. Um, you know, I think that uh, the love dynamic um, for the show or for the for the film, um, and and I I would guess the book, but I haven't read the book, um, uh, was heavily modeled after uh, Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, which, granted, that's a different type of love. Um, well, and one could argue that Romeo and Juliet is not actually love. It's infatuation, but, um, so many uh, shades. we're splitting hairs, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think, I think that if you, if you look at it from the lens of it, it is modeled after Romeo and Juliet and the type of love that is, is displayed there, um, which is, you know, arguably, and, and, uh, you know, I don't, disagree that it's a very childish and very uh, shallow version of love um, when it comes to the way that is portrayed. Um, but if you um, if you suspend uh, that and actually buy into the fact that, yes, they are truly in love because we're told that they're, you know, it's true love, uh, repeatedly told that it's true love. Um, if we, if we buy into that, if we, if we accept that conceit, um, then like, at least from her standpoint, I can understand like my true love has died. Um, at least I believe, um, has died, um, for a second time. Um, and sometimes we feel like there's no way out, um, other than taking our own life. And I think that in particular, that piece really does mirror Romeo and Juliet very much. Yeah, I can see that. I guess I think that this movie is like trying to be satire. And I also haven't read the book, so I don't really like know how to compare it to, you know, the source material. But I feel like it's it's trying to be satirical, maybe of fairy tales, but it like doesn't lean into that idea enough. And so that scene didn't feel like, you know, a criticism on Romeo and Juliet or uh, you know, display of their affection or any of the, those things. It just felt like she has given up and, and you know, we should be understanding of that. And I, I think if it had just had a little more 
something, a little more criticism, a little more like tongue in cheek, wink to the camera type thing that maybe I would have been okay with that and understood that it was meant to be kind of a satire or something. But it just, it like, it moves too quickly into her realizing that actually he's alive and it, it doesn't let me like gather that information with enough time. And I think that that's, that's kind of a, a major issue with this movie for me in general is that it somehow moves so quickly and has so much going on, but is also really slow. And I have a hard time understanding why I think it, this kind of circles back to the side characters comment, but I think it's because there's this whole section in the middle where we're not spending time with the characters that I've learned to care about. Like I care about, you know, the central romance plot. I care about Inigo Montoya and his revenge plot. And then there's just all this other stuff in the middle that just doesn't interest me. And I found myself kind of drifting off. This was only my second time ever watching this movie this week. And I kept really trying to pay attention because I knew I had to talk about it. And I kept drifting off during like the entire section between the, the Vizzini scene and like towards the wedding like there was I don't know it was just really bizarre and all these side characters kept coming in that I didn't care about and didn't want to spend time with so um just to make sure that I understand um what you were what you were saying is so from the time that basically they enter the fire swamp through the wedding um is where you were uh you started tuning out yeah, and then between the wedding and the rescue also. It's just any time that, like, the, the who I consider the main characters, like Humperdinck, Buttercup, Wesley, and Inigo are not on screen, I just don't really... Or if they're spending time with people that don't have a huge effect on the plot, I just don't care as much what's going on. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So... Um, do- did you think then, Casey, that the storyline of Inigo versus the storyline, uh, or adjacent to the storyline of Wesley and Buttercup, that was what? What did you think of that as like kind of um, how it told or how it related to the story? Did you think it was something that was uh, a, a good part of the of the telling of the Princess Bride, or something that you was kind of distracting? I didn't mind it because it it did tie to those central characters like Humperdinck's right-hand man ended up being the person that he was after all along. And so that part felt okay to me. I also think Inigo Montoya was just the most interesting and like commanding character in the movie. And so like when he talked, I paid more attention. Um, And so I didn't really mind like his storyline. I thought it made sense that they had, you know, this honor thing going on and that they would eventually link up as as friends instead of enemies um i just i I don't know it was more it was more like the the billy crystal and carol kane characters and and things like that where it's just like i i mean i guess they sort of move the plot along but at this point i feel like the movie could have been at least 15 minutes shorter and not had just billy crystal hamming it up and and maybe i'm just not the target audience for that but it didn't it didn't draw me in. It just kind of pulled me out of it. No, the, the real target for that scene was Rob Reiner because <laughs> yeah. he, he apparently during filming, he just couldn't hold it in and would leave set while they were doing the scene. 
So he, maybe, maybe like, he just, yeah, best buddy. he was He's laughing so too much. So maybe he just was like, you know what? Bring Billy in. I need a chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, believable. I, I definitely think that like the, um, you know, from personally for me, like from the entrance of uh, the pit of despair through um, the storming of the castle, um, I think that that easily could have been um, adapted and changed. Um, I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, if we look at the context of, of when this movie was made, um, you know, cameos were a thing, right? Billy Crystal was hot back then. Uh, not <laughs> hot, like, as in physically hot, but, like, Speak hot as yourself. in, like, a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a hot commodity in uh, Hollywood, right? Um, and so like that's going to draw that's going to draw audience right um mm-hmm. which i don't know whether this had critical success in the theaters or not but like um billy crystal's name attached to it is going to draw um is going to draw audience and i mean this it's a standard technique uh in in filmmaking especially indie filmmaking where get somebody with a name that's going to get your movie seen right mm-hmm. even if even if it's like you you pay them for a half a day's work you see you, they're in like three scenes but their name is attached to it and that's going to get you audience that's going to get you into like better selection at film festivals and it's just it's the reality of filmmaking right and and i think that like you know you see that with a number of the a number of the people who are in this um you know, uh, definitely Billy Crystal is kind of like the biggest, the biggest name back then, but Peter Falk, um, you know, Fred Savage, um, I think this was like right during the middle of wonder years, um, or maybe at the beginning of wonder years. Um, and so a lot of really, um, strong names that were popular then were pulled into this movie to try to make it successful. Um, so I mean that yeah. that's from a from a, a purely technical, purely like <laughs> capitalistic, like Hollywood is a business um standpoint. So Which is kind of interesting since Robin Wright was a nobody and they put her in a lead and yeah. that obviously ended up working out because I love Robin Wright. But right. I think that it's interesting that they went that direction instead of just casting like a really famous person for a lead role, but Ah, but that goes back. That goes to budget, right? Yeah. Um, so a no-name actor is going to be a lot cheaper because you're pay, you're paying them scale, right? If they're union, mm-hmm. if if they're not union, then you're paying them less than scale. Um, and so, um, you know, it's it's not um, uncommon for the leads to be unknown while you pull in like people that you can bring in for a day, like Peter Falk. That was a day, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, if even like that might have been four hours total. Um, <laughs> Sitting by the bed, right? Um, same for Fred Savage, right? Um, and so, um, and and same for Billy Crystal, right? I doubt that they they spent much time on set. Yeah. Um, so, I, I uh, Billy Crystal and Carol Kane. That was probably a couple of days of, with all that makeup and stuff. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And and again, like this movie came out two years before I was even born and so maybe it's just that those cameos don't really mean anything to me like I I obviously know who these people are but it it didn't have that immediate like gratification that you might get from a cameo in the MCU for example we've been talking about today like it just didn't 
there was no like aha moment for me and and so it just felt really unnecessary and I think that there's I I really want to like this movie and it it makes me sad that I don't because I think a lot of the appeal of the movie comes from its legacy and its nostalgia and you know I've I had known about this movie for a long time before I ever watched it I knew quotes from this movie for a long time before I ever watched it. I knew the Inigo Montoya quote. I knew <laughs> that word doesn't mean what you think it means. Like all of these things that like lost their luster because they were so in my brain already that it, I didn't get that like first time hearing that quote joy of laughing at it. I was just like, oh, that's where that came from. I mean, that's, that's fair. And when movies enter like popular zeitgeist, um, it's, it's hard to overcome that. Right. Um, you know, like, um, uh, yeah, try watching Anchorman now with anyone. <laughs> it's just, everyone's quoting every line. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. What do we got? What do we kind of got left? Um, we, we haven't talked much about side characters, but that's, I think the only thing really left on my list here. Yeah, I guess it's just because that part of the movie where it seems like we're kind of introducing a series of those characters is the part where I sort of lost interest. I I blame it on those characters and, and it might not even be their fault, but I just I think that it, it kind of speaks to the over length of the movie. I think that the framing device wasn't super necessary and and that that also made the movie feel a little long, but it's actually not that long. It's like only an hour and 40 minutes, which I would say is a pretty standard movie length. And so something just feels long and I I can't exactly put my finger on what that is, but that's generally a criticism you will hear from me because like I'm a busy person. I only have so much time to watch a movie and I'm not likely to put this one back on. I mean, that's, that's fair. Um, I, um, I disagree, um, about the framing device. Um, I think it actually is super important. Um, uh, not necessarily to the, to the plot, but to the movie. Um, I think that the, um, the fact that we are really setting the stage at the very beginning, that this is a fairy tale, this is a story that, a grandfather is reading to his son, I think is a super important, um, kind of, uh, aspect to the movie. Um, uh, not necessarily to the plot, but to the movie. Um, and, um, I do think that it actually provides very necessary kind of pauses and moments where, uh, tension is relieved. Um, especially if you think about this movie, uh, being targeted towards children, um, uh, the audience is also identifying with Fred Savage um, and and kind of setting him up as um, any uh, as, as the audience member, right? Who's mm-hmm. who's sitting there listening and hearing the story. And so, if you think about kids that are around his age that are watching this, they're going to get scared when uh, when the um, the sea serpents um, start attacking. There's a pause there, right, to to kind of relieve that tension. Um, and, and be explicit about like, Hey, we understand that this maybe is a little intense for kids, which this movie is targeted towards. Um, and so 
like, let's just pause. Let's let them take a breather and then we'll get back into it. Um, and I think also like, um, it allows them to, to also set kind of the, um, I mean, you, you said satire, um, I think just comedy, like I'm, I'm not going to like try to specifically name what they're uh, trying to accomplish in the movie. Um, but I think it also sets the tone, um, that this is going to be a comedy. It's not just going to be, um, you know, like a standard fantasy action film. Um, and so when, um, you know, there's kissing and Fred Savage stops and is like, Hey, wait, is this a kissing book? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is setting the tone of the movie. And I think that that framing device is actually really important to set that tone. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I don't think it's explicitly the framing device. I think it's just another example of like how the movie feels long. And I think that you know, I, I can understand the perspective of it, like breaking tension or what have you. But to me, it just kind of ruins tension. Like, I I think kids can handle scary things. I mean, one of my favorite fairy tales when I was younger was The NeverEnding Story. And I mean, that movie doesn't hold up. So don't look too far into that. But there is some like really dark themes in that movie. And I think kids can can hack that kind of stuff. and for me, like coming out and saying, oh, don't worry, she doesn't get killed by the eels is just sort of lame. Like, okay, I didn't actually think she was going to get killed at this point, but I would have liked to see the conclusion of that without interruption. I I can't argue with, with uh, you know, your, your requests <laughs> for the movie. So uh, <laughs> I don't really know how to respond to that. Um, That's, I mean, fair. It's a, it's a personal problem, but I think it, it does go back to this idea that if you didn't grow up with a kid's movie, it's you're going to find problems as an adult. And I, I did not grow up with this movie. This was not in my rotation. I did not have this on VHS. I, I had only heard about it as an adult. And so I, I didn't need that because I wasn't a child anymore. And I think that there are some kids movies that are really effective at playing to both audiences and this particular one just didn't strike me like that. I mean, I think that's a valid critique. So You're so polite, Russell. <laughs> He's defending. You're supposed to be the yeah. rude one. Uh, sorry? It's okay. Um, You'd be great at duels in the 50s. <laughs> Such honor. <laughs> no way. No way, man. You gotta be, you gotta be willing to kill. Um... But we're we've about reached time to unmask everybody, so um, let's go ahead and let's do that. Um, let's talk about how we really feel about the Princess Bride, uh, Russell. If you want to go first, um, sure. So I mean, I I love this movie, but it's it's nostalgia, right? Um, I completely one hundred percent agree that it drags in the middle. Um, I think I pretty much was like on my phone during a lot of the that part of the section when I watched it again. I've also seen it like a million times, so. Um, there's that too. Um, and, um, you know, I think that the iconic things are, you know, Inigo Montoya and, and, and just everything about Mandy Patinkin's, uh, performance in this movie, um, I think is, is what keeps me coming back. Um, like I actually don't care about Buttercup and Wesley's storyline <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> But maybe that's just because, like, I'm a jaded cynic when it comes to love. You're like, um, you're like the beautiful blonde people. 
No, you don't care no. about the beautiful blonde people? Um, I do love Robin Wright, um, <laughs> but she's not given enough screen time and she's definitely not given the right kind of direction in this movie mm-hmm. um, because she really is just a doll. Mm-hmm. Throughout the entire movie, she doesn't do anything. She is a doll. Well, Casey. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I stand by like most of what I said, but I also don't hate this movie as much as it sounded like. Um, I, I can understand the appeal and the like coziness of it, especially if I had grown up with it. Um, but I didn't. So I just like hearing Russell say Inigo Montoya's character is way more interesting just makes me wish that someone would write like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but for Inigo Montoya, where it's all from his perspective and we follow him earlier on and like learn more about him. Cause I agree. Wesley and Buttercup are, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Quasi. Uh, listen, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This movie's great. The pacing is <laughs> incredible. I, okay. So I watched it for the first time when I was like a sophomore in high school. Okay. You, I don't know if you count that as a child, like a, like a kid enough for that. I mean, you, well, you were like 11 right then. Right? Okay. Right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You walked into it. What did you, oh. what did you expect me to do? Did I count as a child when I was a sophomore in high school? Okay, but like I I, and I liked it then. I thought it was hilarious, and it, and watching it again, I think that it just was fun to watch. The fighting was fantastic. Um, they like the little the weird relationships that were happening. Like I don't know why I find it hilarious, but having a very civil conversation with someone before a duel to me is hilarious. Like you're, they're having <laughs> like he gives him his own sword as if he wouldn't just take him and stab it. He's like, oh, you want to check it out? Oh yeah, yeah, I'll check out your, I'll check out your weapon. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, and I, those characters are really great. Um, I think that the, the I think the middle part can it can get a little slow, but once you get to Miracle Max, it's just I'm I'm down. I'm there. <laughs> yeah, I uh, also I'm in I'm in case I'm in Casey's boat. I didn't watch this as a kid at all. Um, I came to it in college um, after hearing you know enough about it, um, and like. Uh, I under I absolutely understand why people like it, but I I just like I think it's all right. I don't hate it, but I don't. It's not something I would be that would it wouldn't even be in my first like twenty movies that are like comfort food movies. I don't think mm-hmm. like if people were like, oh, let's put on something that's feel good and fun, and I that like my answer would probably never be the Princess Bride just because like I don't have it in my baked into my brain as that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the thing, and also when I watch this, like, now I think about, like, Andre the Giant a lot when I watch this, because, like, um, I've seen, there was, he had a, there was a documentary about him not that long ago, and apparently he was, like, in pain. This was, like, post-wrestling career. He was, it was, like, chronic joint pain and was having all kinds of health problems on this, and so, like, I think about, like, I don't know, it's nice that he was just there to play and be in the movie, but was having a real hard time, like, carrying Robin Wright and stuff, like, <laughs> um, which is kind of, which is, I mean, and his, he, he's, like, this kind of tragic figure anyways, just because of his, the way his career and kind of life went, but, um, I don't know. I think there's there are a couple good performances in it. Christopher Guest, completely underused also. Like, he's just kind of this goon and doesn't really have anything that exciting to do. 
other than have a sixth finger. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think th there's some good quotes and moments. Obviously, there's the whole marriage thing, and like, um, I don't know. There, there's there's some okay writing, but I mean, it's weird. I think this is kind of like the back end of like the '80s like fantasy movie peak, um, where I think like. I don't know. There's probably not that many more after this that are like part of the part of the culture now. Um, like I'm trying to think when did I think Legend was before this, right? So I mean, even that. I mean, I think that's a worse movie than this, but um, eh, I don't know. It's it, I, I could I can see, despite critical acclaim, I could see how this probably didn't like blow up the box office, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, and there's some there's fine. some Monty Pythonian elements to it that mm. I really appreciated too, um, and it does feel like that's kind of how they're playing with the satire of the fantasy Rodent, story. Rodents of unusual size. Full that's, size. That's some Monty Python shit. Tumbling yeah. down the hill, like yeah. just like random silly bits that make it enjoyable for me anyway. Or the like, I mean that that's almost the it's almost the dead parrot sketch when he's like, ah, mostly alive isn't or mostly dead isn't dead. Like that's very Monty Python too um but but yeah i mean i think it's fine no 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 harm no foul everybody that does love it but i'm good i've seen it twice i don't need to see it anymore um but uh but yeah everybody that's uh that's gonna do it for our princess bride episode and that's gonna do it for our 2020 episodes of the show everybody we made it we're here new year's is coming and salvation hopefully um but um but yeah everybody uh thanks so much for listening we are um gonna keep talking about maybe princess bride maybe some other stuff probably some other stuff on our extended play which is our post show just for our patreon supporters so if you want to get in on that head over to patreon.com slash 24 flames pod and uh you can help support the show and get a whole bunch of extra goodies um over there including the extended plays got the drink alongs all sorts of stuff um and so, yeah, everybody, if you, uh, if you want to tell us what you think about The Princess Bride, which is fine, please do. Um, email us at 24flamespod at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at 24flamespod. Um, and let's see, next week is uh, after New Year's, so we probably got a drink-along coming pretty soon here. Um, once we get everybody back together after the holidays. So, um, yeah, that'll be going up on our Patreon, so stay tuned for that. Um, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, whatever, go and uh, subscribe, leave a rating, a review if you if you might. That'd be nice. It helps us make the show better. Helps more people find the show. Um, we really appreciate um, everybody that's uh, does that for us. So yeah, we'd appreciate. Go go ahead, go do it. it takes two seconds. Um, and let's see here. This episode of Twenty Four Flames per sec per second per second prosecco. Oh. Oh. Um, this episode of 24 Flames Per Second is produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak. It's co-hosted by Quasi Phillips. The head-to-head -head panels this week were Russell Hay defending, Casey Rom roasting, and our show music is composed and produced and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our party fish, our party fish, and our network and co-op, Party Fish Media. God! It's produced in... It's, oh my God. It's produced by... Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me. We made it. It's the end of fucking 2020. We're here at the end. Um, everybody, and uh, next week, to let me just double check. Um, 
a schedule, but I think I know. Um, yeah, next week, um, our first episode of the new year, um, celebrating new beginnings, reinventing ourselves, including the world around us. Uh, we are doing Legally Blonde, everybody. So uh, come on back for that. Um, you know, we're all here. We're all here for a 2021 glow up. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, we'll, uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week, next year. Um, thanks so much, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. As you wish. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliot Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.